The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the ninth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Well, it's summertime. We've made it. The sun is out. The wind is out. The warm weather is here. We are worshiping outside in the shade and the sun. And we are all catching up on two years of missed summer vacations. Air travel numbers are bouncing back. Visits to national parks are higher than ever. And people are hitting the road despite the soaring cost of gasoline. It's a fitting time to hear our gospel text for today, where Jesus begins his own epic road trip adventure with his disciples. But this isn't just any ordinary road trip. Jesus and his followers are used to traveling around the region of Galilee and even traveling to Jerusalem for annual festivals. But in our text today, something is different. Jesus sets his face to go to Jerusalem. This is not his typical traveling preacher-teacher trip, but one that will end in God's mission for the world being fulfilled through Jesus' own death and resurrection. And perhaps similar to a vacation you've encountered, this road trip does not get off on the best foot. There aren't any squabbles over who gets to ride shotgun, no disagreements about where to pack the cooler, or even intense negotiations about bathroom breaks. But it does have an unwelcoming local village of Samaritans, disciples intent upon vengeance, and at least three individuals who want to simply come along for the ride. It's a challenging set of circumstances at best. Jesus alone knows how this ultimate road trip will end. That knowledge shades all the other interactions we hear in this text, and they are difficult to hear. This is not the loving, empathetic, understanding Jesus we might be used to. 
This Jesus appears harsh, unforgiving, inflexible. He is relentlessly focused on the mission and trip at hand and has no patience for anyone trying to steer him from that mission. From here on out, Jesus approaches this road trip to Jerusalem with steely resolve and focused determination. There is no turning back, only moving ahead to achieve the inclusive kingdom of God for all creation. So Jesus does not have any patience for his disciples who want to command fire to come down and consume the inhospitable village of Samaritans. Jesus knows that he has bigger fish to fry. He will encounter far more acts of inhospitality than this. Vengeance is just a distraction. It's also why Jesus is so quick to give a reality check to his would-be followers. Burying the dead is important, but not as important as proclaiming God's life-giving word to people who are still alive. Following Jesus means keeping a relentless focus on what lies ahead, not getting bogged down in everything that is. In the language of community organizing, that means to focus on the world as it should be, not the world as it is. Now, that doesn't mean we should ignore the world we have, but it means working tirelessly to make this world more like the world God intended, a world where all people are recognized and affirmed for who they are, where nations and families can move past that knee-jerk reaction of judgment and revenge, where individuals can choose what happens to their own bodies and lives. I've been reflecting a lot these last few weeks on the rainbow flag, an internationally acclaimed symbol representing the LGBTQIA community. Each color of the flag means something else, but together the colors represent the diversity and unity of the LGBTQIA community. As people of faith, the rainbow represents to us something else, an enduring symbol of God's promise to Noah and every living creature that there will never again be widespread destruction on the earth. A rainbow always appears in the sky as that thing beyond, just ahead of us, but out of reach. It's that elusive quality that draws us out of ourselves and makes us imagine and wonder about what is beyond us, our comprehension, our understanding. It's something that makes us believe in what might be. I wonder if the kingdom of God is something like that elusive, inspiring, difficult to pin down rainbow. I'd like to imagine that Jesus saw it shimmering there in the distance as he embarked on that dusty road trip to Jerusalem with his disciples. I'd like to imagine that we can see it too. But I desperately hope that we can go beyond just seeing it to proclaiming what that rainbow kingdom of God means for all people right now in this world 
rights for women, for children, for people of color are being stripped away. And unless we act, more rights will topple. People of God, we need to keep focused on the task at hand and relentlessly proclaim God's good news of justice, love, and equity for all of creation with nothing less than sheer determination and resolve. It is not enough to simply want to follow Jesus. Following Jesus is not an easy path. Much will be demanded of us, our whole lives, in fact. Our hands and our feet, our voices and song, our financial resources and brain space. Our God is an amazing God, but we need all hands on deck to fully realize the kingdom of God here in our time today. Because God's kingdom is not only that thing just beyond, it is also here. It is in each of us and only grows more visible the more we do, the more we proclaim, the more we support and stand up for and encourage one another. We, together and united by our common diversity, are God's kingdom here on earth. Jesus knew what was at stake, and he wasn't willing to mess around with petty distractions or unnecessary detours. In this choose-your-own-adventure road-tripping story, Jesus knew exactly where he was going and how the story would end. But you know, we don't actually know what those three would-be followers of Jesus chose to do. Did they follow him? despite his bleak warnings about what was to come? Or did they choose to remain rooted in the world that they knew, too afraid to trust in God's plan for all of creation? What will we do when confronted with the shimmering rainbow of God's love and justice that is just there but also just seemingly out of reach? Can we remain focused on it long enough to see it when it is no longer visible? When the weights and worries of this world seem sure to pull us down? I desperately hope so. Our neighbors, our world, and God's beloved kingdom depend on it. Amen.